Welcome to It Is Your Money. I'm Susie Jones. Happy to have you with us on this Sunday morning. And it's all about you today. It's all about you if you are listening right now. If you have a financial question at any time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can call one 888 Six advice, or you can email your questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. But now I want to tell you here is the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group and financial advisor Bruce Helmer and senior vice president and financial advisor Peg Webb. Hello to both of you. Good morning, Susie. Good morning, Bruce. Hello, Peg Webb. Hello, Susie Jones. Ladies, uh, uh, today, Susie and listeners, um, Peg and I are going to talk a little bit. We, the topic or the title of the show is called Serve Yourself First, and we'll talk uh, what, we, uh, what we mean by that. But I also wanted to mention quickly, Peg, before we dive into the topic, if you're listening to us right now, chances are you're within a few days of Veterans Day. Um, and I wanted to say publicly, uh, and we'll have actually some special nuggets in the show today specifically focused towards veterans, but, Peg, I just feel like as a country, and I don't care your political persuasion, I don't care your socioeconomic status, I, I don't care, you know, your, uh, your, your originality, your, your what, you know, I, I just sort of feel, as someone that never served myself, I just sort of feel as a country, I'm not sure we give veterans their proper appreciation, their proper respect. Um, it's such a big commitment to serve your country, not just the veterans, but the families of veterans, the moms and dads, the husbands and wives, the sweethearts, the siblings. And I just think we'd be remiss if we didn't just publicly say thank you to all veterans. It's close to Veterans Day. And again, we've got a few nuggets in in the show today um, for veterans. Peg, kind of as a lead into this serve yourself first idea, and it sounds selfish or greedy, but it's really not. I've had clients before that are very, very philanthropic, want to give to a charity or a church or their kids, and, and that's admirable, and I don't discourage that, but I always tell them that charity or your child or your grandchild, they're not my client, you are, and I have to make sure that you're going to be okay. If you're not okay, you can't help anybody, so let's look at your situation and see how much help you can afford to give before it maybe is detrimental to your standard of living or to your financial situation. So with that kind of as a lead-in, we're going to talk today about planning, ideas, thoughts, uh, serve yourself first, so then maybe you can serve others. And again, we've got a couple things in here specifically for veterans. Peg? Yeah, I just want to make one comment. Um, Great job, Bruce, of uh, honoring the veterans and just the most deserving and just our gratitude to people because when you were talking to us, I had goosebumps um, because you just kind of visualize uh, what people have done and families have done for our freedom. So, yeah, so today we're actually going to talk about some basic financial steps everyone can take, and just like you said, to serve yourself. And I like how you tied it into you know, clients, and then them wanting to give, give, give to charities and their children, we a lot of times have to say, whoa, 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 stop. Uh, we, we need to make, make, we have to be confident along with you being confident that you're going to be able to live the lifestyle that you want to live. So 
we talk a lot on this show about retirement planning and probably your biggest expense in your entire life will be when you no longer get a paycheck, right? And you've been saving, saving, saving that you could actually, uh, you know, take some, um, take some withdrawals from your savings to live for the rest of your life. So the importance of retirement planning is one that we go over with clients at any age. I mean, 25 years old, 35 years old, we're still retirement planning 75 years old, 85 years old. It is a lifetime process. Um, <clears throat> so one of the things that we talk about in our round table is you can't take a mortgage out on your life, right? To live for the rest of your life. Like we go and buy these houses and these are large numbers that people are taking mortgages on and it's a lifetime thing. Well, when you retire, you know, you actually have to have just the basics. You have to have, um, you know, what, the first thing we do, Bruce, is we look at income, right? So everybody's got social security, you know, mostly, and then um, some people have a pension. We'll talk a little bit about that, that that's whittling down these days. And then they have their lifetime savings. And our job is to help them visualize, you know, what life they want. And then how do you and I, Bruce, and all the advisors within Wealth Enhancement Group, turn that into a monthly income? And um, I would say that's the number one um just in my career at Wealth Enhancer, that's the number one, just the biggest item that we've helped people with is, you know, how much can you spend? You know, are you living the life you want to live? What is it that we can do to help you? Bruce? Yeah, and with that, Peg, when we, when we talk about retirement income planning, we also frequently talk about spending the smartest money first. What I mean by that is when you're working you're kind of limited on what you can do with regard to reducing your taxes and so forth because your paycheck is your paycheck. But when you retire, your sources of income can be, you know, many different things. Social Security, pension, withdrawals from a retirement plan that may be a tax-deferred plan, maybe withdrawals from a Roth, which are tax-free, maybe withdrawals from taxable accounts that have minimal tax consequence because you get a 1099 on the earnings and pay taxes on the gains whether you take a withdrawal or not. So how do you know where to, which money to spend first? How much can you spend? And we always break it down between non-discretionary spending, meaning the things you have to pay for, right? Your living expenses, your groceries, your gas. We look at debt. Is there still a mortgage? Is there some other debt, car payment, credit card? Uh, we look at taxes. You can't not pay taxes. Um, and we look at insurance costs for your health care and your Medicare Part B premiums. So we look at non-discretionary, and then we compare that to discretionary. And you might call it, you know, necessity and luxury. So discretionary is travel, your hobbies, uh, golf, fishing, hunting, um, uh, quilting, uh, and, then, and other luxury items. And then again, a lot of people, many people, want to help family, kids, grandkids, other loved ones, and charities, and so forth. So. I think it's really important that people understand the money they must spend just to keep the wolf away from the door versus those luxury items that we want. And we're all more motivated by wants, right? We're, we, we are all more motivated by wants than needs. And, and it's okay to want things and it's okay to spend money on those things that you want. 
as long as you know you, you stay within reason and we have a plan on how much you can spend to make sure you don't run out of money before you run out of breath. Peg? Yeah, in ways that we can actually serve ourselves, or we say, you know, serve yourself first, is we're the ones who are coaching our clients to um, add money to their work plans, their 401k, their 403bs. And I use this term a lot on this radio show. This is hiding money from yourself. So if they take it out of your paycheck and you never, ever get that in your checking account, then, you know, you probably wouldn't miss it. So we encourage people there. We encourage people even outside their work plans. And in a lot of cases, you have to save a little bit more than that. You look at um, contributing to an individual retirement account, an IRA, uh, maybe it's a Roth IRA, um, that kind of thing. And then personal savings, you, you, you want to have some money that's in the bank. And then when it comes uh, to veterans, they actually have a special plan that's called the Thrift Savings Plan, and it, it, it is a retirement and savings plan, but it's designed specifically for federal employees and members of the military. So they have a, this account is a lot like a 401k, but um, sometimes they need more, some education on, um, well, should I contribute to it? Is there any matching? What are my investment options? So when veterans come in to talk to us, too, uh, we're knowledgeable about these outside plans that we may call a traditional plan, like a 401k, 403b, but um, they have a thrift savings plan. Bruce? Yeah, it's funny, Peg. I'm, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the TSP or the thrift savings plan. I have found, and I'm not sure why, people understand their 401k, but a lot of people that have a TSP plan, don't understand it, and, and you know when they have it and they bring it in, uh, I have to educate them a little bit on what it is, and I'm not sure um, if somehow it's just not communicated as efficiently for service members or federal employees as it is in the private sector, but I like what you said. The TSP is a lot like a 401k. It's just for a different, you know, group of our, of our citizens. So um, that kind of, you know, I think that kind of covers the retirement planning. What's the next thing we yeah. want to talk about? Yeah, debt management. So the danger of lifestyle creep, you know, our mental wiring is that we want to, um, oh, we can have all sorts of visions of what we want. But what happens is we're not all great at making disciplined decisions. And um, I was guilty of, of this when I was younger. You know, the, the company said, hey, you're going to get a bonus, you know, in three months or something. Oh, I was already vision. You know, I had the vision of, oh, what am I going to do with that money? And by the time it came, it pretty much was earmarked for what was going to happen. Then the other thing we see a lot is when you need a car, you need a car to get around. But yet some people go above and beyond what they can afford in a car. And we talk a lot about good debt, bad debt. And yes, a car can be an asset, but it's a depreciating, depreciating asset. Um, so when it comes to your retirement, it's just so important that you have debt management, even when you're young. And, and let me just mention about the young people, um, right now, you know, you're just rich in youth is what I call young people, because sometimes the young people look at the older people and say, oh my gosh, I'm so jealous of the fact that they have all this money and they get choices and who's driving these fancy cars, it's in their mind, it's the older people, you know, but 
what happens is, is if you just started saving, you know, at the youngest age possible, just the power of compounding. And I often say on the show too, that I feel like parents and our school system and our grandparents should brainwash our children into what the power of compounding can do for you. And I don't think it's talked enough about, uh, talked enough about, um, and educating the, the children. When it comes to veterans and it come, uh, when it comes to debt management for veterans, um, there is services available like for financial counseling, uh, that they have the free military one service, one source service that they can go to. And then there's a, uh, a website, visit militaryonesource.mil, you know, for details. So Bruce, I think debt management is important um, because it can actually completely change your life if you have some control. And if you don't have control, that's when you reach out to someone like us, you know, or uh, um, uh, somebody that you trust that you can, you can talk to about um, debt management. Bruce? Yeah, Peg, I, lo- I love that you brought up lifestyle creep. I think a lot of people are guilty of that one without realizing it. And what I mean by that is, let me give you a hypothetical example. Let's say somebody is making $60,000 a year and they determine they're going to save 10% of their income or $6,000 a year, either in a company retirement plan or an IRA, Roth IRA, whatever. It doesn't matter. And that's an admirable goal for a young person and someone that's thinking that way. Kudos to them. But over a period of a couple of years, their income keeps going up. They keep getting promotions or raises and X number of years later, now they're making $70,000 a year, but they're still only investing or saving $6,000 because that extra money goes into lifestyle. And if you could increase your saving and investing and stay at that hypothetical 10% rate, when you're making $70,000, you should be saving $7,000. You still got more money, discretionary money for, for lifestyle, but you're also staying at that 10% saving or investment goal that you set for yourself. I see a lot of people get caught with that one. And then again, I just want to repeat what you said specifically for veterans with help for debt management, Military One Source, the, the website is Military One Source, it's all one word, dot M-I-L, Military One Source, dot M-I-L for the veterans out there. Okay. Yeah, the third one is an emergency fund. So once you've set up your retirement fund and you've paid down your high interest debt um, with debt managing, it's time to start investing in just having a, a savings account where it's, it's almost like it has cement walls around it. It's called the emergency fund. And it's hard for people, though, when they see that money sitting in the bank, I did as a younger person was I set up a separate account uh, for that emergency fund. I didn't have it blended in with my checking in my savings. By the way, I had so many accounts earmarked for everything like Christmas fund. And and that just worked for me. Um, But there are things, and this is happening to our clients too. uh, We're seeing a little bit more of this on layoffs starting to happen, you know, job loss, or all of a sudden uh, you have a medical emergency or even a dental um, house repairs. This is the, I say 50% of my clients are replacing their windows or they have in the last five years. I'm like, wait a minute, why are windows not lasting? You know, they just built this house 15 years ago, but that 
that it, it, it happens to be a big, um, a big nut to crack with those windows. And then car repairs. I could go on and on about things that actually could just happen to people, but you all know listening today that you were surprised by something that maybe you had a vacation planned and, and all of a sudden now, um, you know, the, some hailstorm came and the insurance company is only going to pay half or something like that. So the reason that we coach people on having this emergency fund is we've witnessed that clients are less stressed about it if the money's there for the what ifs. Everybody's got what ifs and having that money there. And then also, if you do pretend it has these cement walls around it, then you don't have this impulse spending. Oh, I can use that money because nothing's going to happen to me. Uh, once again, the cement walls, it helped me. Um, and then just making financial decisions that are not good. You know, this, this uh, last minute, um, oh, I can look the other way type of thing. It's not going to be a problem. It's so easy for all of us to, to, to do that. And then occasionally, Bruce, we do have clients that say, I want to go take a loan from my 401k or I want to, oh, if I just take this withdrawal, it's not going to hurt me. But then we educate them on the power of compounding and it, and it can hurt you because if that money's out of there and not compounding for the next decade or two while you're, you know, still working, that can be huge impact. Bruce? Yeah, so a couple, I, you said so many meaningful things there. I'll come, uh, just a couple quickly I'll comment on. I like that you talked about separating and having different accounts for different goals. I think there's a tendency that people to say, I have one bank account for simplicity. I don't want five different accounts. But the problem with that is you end up commingling all these potential uses of that money in one account, and you end up spending it on things you don't want to spend it on. And, and not having an emergency fund or, or several, in, in your case, Peg, and, and other people, that's probably a good idea also. But, you know, there's statistics out there that when people have an emergency, when life throws them a curveball, and they don't, and many, many, many people, including our, some of our listeners today, don't have that emergency fund and they got to pay for something out of credit card. So it ties into our second thing of debt management. Now you're paying interest on that thing that you had to spend money on because you didn't have the, the cash in your emergency fund and it's on a credit card. You can't pay the balance on your credit card. So the, the emergency fund and the debt management are closely tied together. Peg? Yeah, and for our active military, there's actually a savings program, a savings deposit program uh, that pays 10% interest, compound quarterly, invested, you can go up to $10,000. So there's, there's a um, program out there specifically for active people. Uh, and so <clears throat> I think that the theme here with the veterans and the active military is uh, make sure that you're educating yourself about the options that you have that others do not. And mainstream, you might hear more about what everyone can do, but uh, there's also resources, as you said, with that uh, website, that there are a lot of things out there that you can invest in. And especially with this 10% and this money you could take out of your paycheck for an emergency fund, I love that idea. Bruce? Yeah, I do too. And again, we at the outset of the show, we talked about you know, I feel like as a country, we don't 
properly appreciate veterans, but I do think the government has put some things in place where they're trying. Uh, and again, maybe these things haven't been communicated as, fect- as effectively as they could be, and that was one of our goals today, is to talk about some of these things, some ways that veterans uh, can help themselves if they're not aware of these programs. Uh, inf- the, the information is out there, and it's a two-way street, right? You know, you can do something for somebody, but they also have to, you know, be proactive and, and take the initiative. Um, Peg, I know we've got a little bit more in our outline to talk about. We wanted to talk a little bit about uh, education. So far, we've talked about in terms of serving yourself first. We've talked about retirement planning. We've talked about debt management and emergency fund. We also want to talk a little bit about education. But, Susie, I think we'll save that for the second half of the show. And we'll also get listeners involved in the second half of the show. Yeah, that sounds great. There are text questions right now on the board to ask you. So we'll get to those coming after this short break. The number to call, though, or text is 651-461-9226. If you have a question for Bruce or Peg, I'll say that number one more time. It is 651-461-9226. We're back after this quick break. And welcome back to the second half of Your Money. Reminding you, if you're listening right now, you can text us or call us at 651-461-9226. Bruce Pegg, take it away. Thank you, Susie Jones. Thanks for staying in there, listeners. If you joined us late, Peg and I are talking today about serving yourself first, meaning it's great to want to help charities. It's great to want to help your church. It's great to want to help family. But you've got to make sure you take care of yourself or you can't help anybody. And in conjunction with that, we've also been talking about honoring our veterans and families of veterans. And we've had a couple specific nuggets, and there might be one or two more specifically aimed at veterans. But in the first half of the show, we uh, we talked uh, a little bit about the importance of retirement planning. Uh, This is applicable to, to literally everyone. If you don't do it, no one's going to do it for you. We talked about debt management and the importance of that, and we talk about it a lot on the show, efficient versus inefficient debt. We talked about the importance of establishing an emergency fund and putting up you know, a, a fence around that. That's your emergency fund money. It's not to be spent for other things that might come up that you want or presents or, or whatever. It's, it's for um, you have to fix the the furnace in your house or something goes wrong with your car. It's for emergencies. It's for curveballs. That's safe money, by the way. I don't know if we emphasize that. That's money that's not exposed to risk of principal. It's not exposed to the stock market. It's in something that's safe and secure and liquid, and you know it's there when you need it. And And those are the things, Peg, we talked about in the first half. The part that we wanted to get to that we still didn't, and then we'll get listeners involved, we wanted to talk a little bit about education. Peg? Yeah, <clears throat> education. So after retirement, education and then healthcare especially could be your biggest expenses. So one of the things that um, <clears throat> is most envied is education systems, you know, in the whole world. But it's very, very expensive. Education is just uh, compounded inflation-wise tremendously and even higher than a lot of other things that we feel have gone up in cost. But there are ways that you can, uh, you know, get ahead and get ahead in investing in something that is uh, tailored for education. So we talk often on this show about 529 savings plan. 
And one of the appealing things about the 529s is that the um, contributions are not deductible in any way. But if you contribute money to them and you follow all the rules, then they grow tax-free. And there's not a lot of tax-free that we can talk about these days uh, with any type of investment. So um, the other thing that people like about the 529s is that they can then earmark some beneficiary. So that might be your child, your grandchild. Um, they also allow you to put in, um, you know, a, a, a lot of money. You can put in money. We can each gift 17000 to whoever we want. So you could gift 17000 to each grandchild. But with a 529, they allow you to do five years worth of gifts. And I did recently had a, had a client that did that. And each of them, a married couple, was able to put $85,000 in a 529. Now, in this case, um, this was a very expensive school, and, and the grandchild is going to be a doctor, you know, so it's an expensive school. So check those out. Then also custodial accounts, they have been around forever, ever since I've started in this uh, career, is Uniform Gift to Minors Act, uh, called an UGMA and then there's also Unified, Unified Transfer to Minors Act. These allow you to put some dollars in. Really, the difference between a 529 and this account is the 529 allows bigger deposits. These other types of accounts um, only allow uh, a certain amount. And then the other positive of the Utman um, is that the Uniform Transfer Act is because you could, if you have an individual stock that you love, and this has happened in my practice where somebody was um, big on a stock, you can't buy that in a 529. So you'd have to buy that in one of these custodial accounts. And then there's also this Coverdale education savings. You know, I really don't do a lot with that because it's so limited. It's contributions of $2,000 a year, and they haven't changed that. Like um, the IRA deposits, the 401k deposits that we can put in have been uh, changed each year based on inflation, and we can put more and more dollars in. Somehow this particular savings account got locked in at, at $2,000. So, um, And then, Bruce, for veterans, I wanted to mention when it comes to education, uh, the post-9-11 GI Bill offers assistance for higher education and training, specifically boosting your career advancement and financial stability after leaving the service. So I just think that's great. And some of the benefits of that are tuition um, and fees, uh, monthly housing allowance, uh, stipend for some textbooks and supplies. And then there's other things that you could qualify for. So today we just want to mention that something that uh, have on the radar and educate yourself about education. And I love this one, Bruce, that um, our country values education and they want to help the veterans um, along with, uh, you know, the general theme of education is very high in the United States. Bruce? Yeah, the only, the only thing I would add is, you know, you did a great job of talking about 529s and UGMAs and UTMAs and the Coverdale. I agree with you, Peg. Um, I seldom would do an UGMA or an UTMA or a Coverdale today uh, if it's new money or if it's somebody that's just starting this, uh, a parent or a grandparent saving for education for loved ones, 
we would almost certainly do a 529, but those UGMAs and UTMAs and Coverdales are out there. So if somebody comes to us and they already have one, we have to be able to service and advise them on you know, how to maximize the use of it. So we still are, you know, mention that when we talk about education planning, but if somebody was just starting, I'd say there's a 99% chance we're gonna end up using 529s. Um, last thoughts uh, before we go to listeners, Peg? <clears throat> the only other thing was um, I didn't mention anything about health care. And uh, for the veterans, um, the, there's an insights page on our website, wealthenhancement.com, for lots of information about health care planning, including how to sign up for Medicare and health savings accounts. And that would uh, fall into the category for veterans health and wealth. Bruce. Last thought, Susie, and then we'll go to listeners. I wanted to share this. If uh, people want to write this down again, this is for veterans. I actually got this from a, a business colleague and friend of mine. Um, he didn't give me permission to say his name, so I won't. But he sent me uh, an email. Um, in honor of veterans, there's a website. It's 100% complimentary. It's a first-of-its-kind resource. It's fast and it's easy to find veterans, service academy alumni, veteran-owned business, veteran news, news, veterans looking for jobs, new career opportunities. It's www.yougotheroes.com. U-Y-O-U got G-O-T heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S.com. All one word, yougotheroes.com, www.yougotheroes.com. If you're a veteran looking for a veteran, uh, a veteran looking to change jobs, check it out, yougotheroes.com. That's uh, specifically for our veterans. Susie, let's let listeners take us the rest of the way home. All right, 651-461-9226. The texter writes this morning, Hi, this is Lois from Moundsview. I'd like to know if I can roll my RMD into a mutual fund to avoid state and federal taxes from being taken out. Thank you. Love your show. Uh, thanks for the kind words, Peg. They want to try to uh, avoid that. Lois wants to avoid the taxes on her required minimum distribution. Yeah, I could make this very short with just saying absolutely not, but I will give some <laughs> um, information about that before I say that. Uh, required minimum distributions, uh, it started at 70 and a half. When you turn 70 and a half, uh, the IRS mandated that you take out a percentage. And it, since then, they've changed that age a couple different times, and now we're at 73 years old. So if you have a IRA and you have been deferring the income, the capital gains, all the growth that you have in there, then uh, the IRS wants their money. And eventually, they make you take some money out. So when you when they state how much you need to take out, you cannot, you know, um, avoid that tax. That is the main reason they're doing it is they don't want everybody to die with these IRAs and then have their children and grandchildren and have this Rockefeller effect where all of a sudden these huge accounts have never paid any tax on it. So you actually need to take that money out. You can, what a lot of clients do is they either we, we uh, establish an income for them on that required minimum distribution, or many clients want to reinvest the net 
And what I mean by net is after you take federal and state taxes out, that's the amount of money that you could either spend or you could invest. But um, and, and you actually can take your RMD without doing withholding, state and federal, but that just means that you're going to have to go find that money somewhere else to pay the tax. So a lot of our clients do automatic withholding on an annual basis. Bruce? Yeah, Peg, just really quickly to add, the required minimum distribution, that is something that at Wealth Enhancement, we, we do that for our clients. We are proactive. We tell them what the amount is that they have to take, and we tell them where to take it from. And what I mean by that is if you have, let's just say, five different tax-deferred accounts, IRAs and such that are all subject to the required minimum distribution, you have to add all those five together to determine what your required minimum distribution is. But you do not have to withdraw from each account. So we add the total together, but we might say it's best to take it out of account A for these reasons. This gets back to retirement income planning and spending the smartest money first. So we do that proactively for our clients. And the other thing is, Peg, I think prevailing wisdom out there is don't touch these accounts until the government forces you to do it when you reach the age of required minimum distribution. But the reality is, is that for a lot of people, it makes sense to start spending this money before you get to, to the RMD age. Um, we talk about soaking up the low bracket that you might be in anyway. Your income from all other sources, if that's got you in a low tax bracket, we might say, let's take an IRA withdrawal, withdrawal. Uh, whether you need the money or not, because you're never going to pay taxes at a lower rate than where you're at right now. And if you don't need the money for lifestyle, maybe we do what's called a Roth conversion. But this whole idea of RMD, and you're right, the short answer is, and I appreciate Lois's creative thinking, the short answer is no, you can't avoid that withdrawal being taxable income, except for maybe we should mention the exception. Do you want to talk about QCD? Oh, yes. Thanks, Bruce. That was a great idea. So if you are um, philanthropic and you would like to give to charities, uh, the IRS is allowing you to do up to 100000 and pull that out of your IRA. So let's say that your required minimum distribution is $10,000. You could choose to give all or part of that directly from your IRA uh, to charities, and then it will not show up on your page of your tax return, which is a huge advantage for clients that are philanthropic anyway. And um, so when people turn required, minim required minimum distribution age, we walk them through that choice of changing their contributions to their church or other charities and doing it through their IRA because uh, um, one of the main reasons that's a really good deal is because many of our clients don't itemize anymore. And we used to be able to itemize and kind of write off a lot of things. And now our standard deduction is higher. So 70% of people don't itemize anymore. And so if you do give to charity, you're not getting a deduction per se. So being able to take it out of your IRA, um, you get the deduction and you can use the standard um, deduction on your taxes. Bruce? 
That was perfect. I have nothing to add. Susie, another question? 651-4619-226. The texter writes, with interest rates at high levels, can I transfer some of my money currently in my IRA into CDs? And is this a pre-taxed IRA? And it is a pre-taxed IRA. Great question. So, Peg, higher interest rates, um, where do I want my IRA to be invested? Yes. So if indeed you would like to lock in some of these rates in CDs, certificates of deposits, or we've talked often on this show about treasury bonds, you can actually buy all of those things in your IRA. Now you have a choice. If you work with a bank, banks will have CDs that they'll offer. Many of our clients don't have their IRAs at banks. Um, but it is a choice. Uh, if you want to buy a CD, you'd have to open up another account there. Wealth Enhancement Group and many financial institutions offer CDs and treasury bonds um, within our organization as well. So they've been so popular over the uh, 2023 year because we talk often on the show, you can get north of 5% you know, on your safe money. But little caution there because people are almost a little overzealous on the 5% plus, meaning they think they should take all of their assets and put it into these um, safe vehicles. But the problem is, is that the interest rates that are very attractive right now are short, meaning they might be a one-year CD, they might be a one-year treasury bond, and then the five-year is not at 5%. So if you did all of your money, invested it in the short end, things are going to change. I don't know what direction they're going to change, but our anticipation is that interest rates on the short end will eventually come down. And then you don't want to be stuck with having to go reinvest at the lower rates. So we encourage our clients, if you like that concept, then maybe you buy a one-year CD treasury, maybe you buy a two-year, three-year, five-year. And some of my clients are going out 10 years at this point and locking some of these rates in. Bruce? Yeah, Peg, that's a great answer. The only thing I want to add, and, and uh, I like that you said that, you know, you can put a lot of different things in your IRA. The texture almost made it sound like an either-or. I have an IRA or I have a CD or a savings account. The IRA is the strategy. It's an individual retirement account. What I put in that strategy can be any number of different things. It can be investments in stocks, investments in bonds, mutual funds, real estate funds, precious metals like gold and silver. So you don't have to take a withdrawal out of your IRA and have a taxable event. You can shift your investments into some sort of CD or other fixed interest account. Other side note, the interest rates out there right now, listeners, on, on your safe money, if you're not getting, I would say, what, Pig, at least 4.5%, probably even 5 shop around because it's out there. And I, I'm not going to mention any specific banks, but if you've never looked at online banking, you can Google go out, you know, online banking, and you'll get a lot of different options. Usually online banks, even for 
a you know regular savings account completely liquid with no time commitment i think you're getting north of four and a half percent right now so shop around you should be getting four and a half or five on your safe money but you're right peg we don't know how long these interest rates are going to last so do you want to go long term short term and again you never want to completely get out of stocks but yes it is nice after almost 20 years of not making money on our safe money. It's nice that we can actually make money on our safe money. We must have time for one more, don't we? Yeah, uh, we have a texture writing in this morning. Any idea on how taxes on money market interest rates will look if I'm earning about 12000 in interest this year? Right. Peg, it depends upon their other income, right? It does. I'm so glad you brought this up because um, we're in the process right now of doing a lot of estimates for clients as to what their taxes look like at this time, because we have until December 31st to maybe make some adjustments or that kind of thing. And what I'm finding is doing this research is that because our clients are making so much money, and by the way, you can contact your financial advisor about CDs and um, savings accounts that pay more and treasuries. Um, you don't have to just necessarily contact your bank. And why I say that is because you're, you are, the 1099s are going to be bigger this year. So we do a lot of planning trying to stay under the first, you know, Medicare cost. And so that might shock people that they have too much income and now they're going into the second tier of Medicare. Well, what can you do about that? You might be able to take some losses this year. You might be able to, um, adjust some parts of your portfolio. You might be able to not take your monthly income in December because you you get a check, you know, that's taxable. Maybe you stop that for a month. There's a lot of things that you could do. So I, I had empathy for people that um, might be surprised by this, but you do have six weeks here that you can try to figure out, should you change anything before year end? Bruce? That's an awesome answer, Peg. Susie, I know we're getting close to the end. I just want to mention quickly one more time, thank you to veterans. Thank you to veterans' families. Uh, if you want to help a veteran, hire a veteran, work with a veteran, I want to give this website again, www.yougotheroes.com. Check it out, uh, yougotheroes.com. Uh, thank you to all veterans. Serve yourself first, then help others. Uh, everybody make it a great day. What a good show, Peg. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate everybody texting and calling. And someone did ask about that veteran number and link, and you did mention that. So appreciate all the veterans here on WCCO. It is 8.56. I didn't do that very well, but...